Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Can I say something that I think is bullshit? Very foolish. Yes, we sell out. He also told me he was on acid. Now you better wash that mic off. I was gonna fill it up with my own urine. Alcoholica. And I talked about digging a hole in a fucking dirt, smoking hash through the ground. Oh, I don't know. There's all kinds of shit. And shower filled with women. Sit your ass down, Lara. Shoot a pair of woman's legs walking down the street. Eight women washing you down at once, you know. Come up here, Lars points to me. <laughs> And his skin is bubbling like on the Toxic Avenger. Boyfriends and dads looking for me. Ten minutes? Singing along, fucking along, doing this something the fuck along. Here we go! This is Phil Toll, and you're listening to Pan Podcast for All. Welcome to Podcast for All. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. Jeff, we're getting the band back together. We are getting our uh, fourth and final member on the show right as the season uh, basically wraps up. Yeah, it seems fitting. Close out the season with our singer, you know, hear what he has to say, hear his interesting Metallica story, to say the least. Uh, interesting to say the least. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more that we're going to have a thousand laughs about. I mean, we had Mikey on in week five of this season, and... You know we got some hate mail about him? Yeah, I think some some people weren't too happy with his choice <laughs> of songs. <laughs> An actual previous guest of ours sent this thing, said, really, dude? Really, Mike Presley? Five instrumentals? Awful. <laughs> Awful. Oh, man. Well, if any of you guys are listening, let us know what you think about Mr. Mike Presley's five instrumental choices. <laughs> Here we are, Season 3, Episode 16, our last guest uh, for Season 3. Next week we kick off, I shouldn't say kick off, next week we wrap up with you and I's uh, Dream No More Setlist reveal. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time coming. I'm really excited to reveal what I have on my set. I have a few little surprises that people will probably enjoy or hopefully enjoy, and maybe even I'll get a little bit of hate mail for it. I already know my set list is cooler than yours, so we don't even have to record. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that we're going to play my set sometime. We do have to choose one of the set lists to play, so that's actually going to happen. At least between the four of us, you, me, Chris, and Pizzle. Well, if we pick Pizzles, uh, Chris doesn't have to sing much. Yes, very true, five instrumentals, and you know that's going to put a lot of work on the rest of us, but hey, whatever. We'll make it happen. By the way, I'm in Portland right now, so we are competing with the hotel groundskeeper mowing the lawn. We have airplanes flying overhead and uh, room service just outside my door trying to get in twice in the last 30 minutes. Man, you need to head on back to the other coast. It's too noisy over there. Yeah, I know we're good at editing this, but trying to drone out uh, mowers 
vacuums and airplanes, that might be a, a whole new uh, challenge for us. Yeah, well, you know, it's just going to make it sound that much more ambient and realistic. <laughs> Dude, the last three weeks have been amazing. Mr. Phil Toll, Chris Jericho, and I had a lot of fun with Mr. Zimmerman from Mississippi Talking Sports. Oh, absolutely. It's always a good time to be able to derail into something a little bit different and still keeping it Metallica, but, you know, it, it was fun talking sports with him. Speaking of derailing, I think you and I should address all, uh, I think, 65,000 people who downloaded Phil Toll <laughs> and break the news that that episode almost did not happen. It almost did not happen, and we were in full-blown panic mode for about, I don't know, the whole day. <laughs> what we should tell people is is the interview went flawless. We thought we had it all. And then I signed in later in the day to listen to the playback to start preparing my notes and gathering tracks from you, etc., to find out that um, track number two, which is Jeff Winslow's vocal track, was missing. Yeah, it didn't record, and we thought, you know, it, we pretty much thought it was done at that point. I was like, there's no way... I'm going to be able to overdub and try and replicate what happened in that interview. It was everything just flowed so smoothly. It would have been hard to try and duplicate that. It was one of those feelings where in your throat and your gut and your heart drop about five feet in your body. Right. Where they all kind of just meet as one and then you just feel like you're going to shit them all out. <laughs> yep. That's what it was. I was ready to shit out the entire day and I was numb until I realized that uh, thanks to Riverside.fm, even though you're not recording your vocal track, the internet still records a shittier version of it. Yeah, but you know what? At least we were able to get it and resume on as planned. It worked out. Whew, crisis reverted. There's a few times in there where when you're talking or not talking, there's like kind of a digital clicking going on, like tick, 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 tick. That must be what we call... Uh, basic internet recording uh i think it was like a zip file compressed is how they got it to me hey it worked out phil's episode turned out oh my god amazing and the response that we've gotten from it has been pretty incredible just talking about it i have that numb feeling again that's how bad it was but the response was amazing god everyone from loudwire to blabbermouth thank you we can't th say thank you enough absolutely uh, record downloads as Lars would say, we're just getting started. Gotta love the internet, man. It really helps out in many ways. You know, and speaking of the internet, I was searching around in videos the other day, and I come across this video of Lars and Brian Johnson walking around HQ. Have you seen that video? I have. Very cool. You know, I I'm surprised we haven't seen it. It's a couple years old, I believe. Right, yeah. No, I mean, you know how it goes. Like, sometimes you, you just you come across videos that... You know, Is that a siren? Yeah, it's the first Wednesday of the month. <laughs> yep. Okay, lawnmowers, vacuums, airplanes, and tornado sirens. Right. Hey, how much more realistic can it get? But <laughs> 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 anyways, back that to sounds, the That sounds like escape. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's perfect. It was meant to be. Back to that oh video, though, there was this specific comment that really cracked me up. I don't remember who said it. On uh, someone just commented, you know, on the video 
on YouTube, but it's a part where Lars is talking about that map, you know, they have all the pins on it and he's like, Oh, you know, that right there, that's the past. And then he walks into the, you know, the live room and he goes right here. This is the future. And what really cracked me up is that someone took that quote and put it in their comments and says, as Lars says, this room here is the future. He walks into a room full of mementos of the past. <laughs> like the irony in that is just oh, that hilarious. Is so well said. <laughs> I just that is that, well said. I thought it was pretty funny, but it's cool because, you know, they show a lot of the flags and stuff from all the chapters around the world. And it's, pretty amazing what that room looks like i mean we've seen it a million times you know in in videos studio recordings but to actually see the camera like pan around and like look at that stuff it was pretty cool whenever there's hq footage that's new i digest as much of it as i can yeah and i always want i'm like screaming at the screen like can you slow the camera down and turn around i'm trying to get my bearings how that hallway goes to the left to go into the garage and right. if you go to the right you go to the control room and now if you go down this hallway and take another left you're going to be out in the kitchen area i think just via video i have the layout of that building <laughs> man it's it's crazy i like you said i mean it's the video's quite old now and i don't know how i never came across that but literally i'm just like scrolling through my youtube feed and i was like oh i somehow haven't seen this i better check this out i just heard your escape siren wind down there must not be a tornado Nope, no tornado. Like I said, it's just the first Wednesday of the month. They're always doing the the testing. That'd be a cool job to like just show up once a month and push that button. And just listen to it. Yeah, oh, and go, well. You're going to hear I'll it be... again. And just, you know, leave and say, okay, I'll see you in 30 days. Right? <laughs> That's my kind of job. Exactly. The interesting thing about that video, Lars looks like he's seven feet tall compared to Brian Johnson. For real, like Brian Johnson, damn, dude, how short are you? Because Lars is a midget. Right. <laughs> Those two walking around, I mean, larger than life in our lives. But when you look at Brian, I'm like, dude, are you 4'10"? Right. You see pictures of Brian on stage in front of 100,000. It's like, wow, you're nine feet tall. And then he gets off stage, and now he's a hobbit. Well, our guest tonight is not 4'10". I'm not. guessing Chris is... Six three, six four. Yeah, he's pretty tall. Just like the real James. I think he's taller than the actual James. That's why we call him James Leftfield. Chris Leftfield from one the only tribute to Metallica in season three, episode sixteen. Let's bring him in. I'd like to say, are you ready to go to Minnesota? Because that's where he's at. But you're already in Minnesota. I'm already here, man. Let's do it. Here we go, Mister Chris Westfall. What's up, dude? Uh, the sky. <laughs> and we're off to a good start already. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of us is the pilot, and, one, and two of us are not. So, um, process of elimination. Uh, there, the fan there we who go. Gets that right wins absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, and uh, I see you got a drink in your hand, dude. What are we What are we putting down tonight? Tonight is a blackened um, batch zero eight nine. I don't know the playlist, so pardon me. I don't okay. actually geek out like that. I will just say it has a uh, fruity bouquet, and uh, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so. 89. Since we're talking about batches, I knew a while yeah. back ago you started collecting heavily. What are you at right now? I'm at 57 bottles. <laughs> um, Jesus. Well, the reason is, though, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to collect every batch since it came out. And then I'm trying to collect a secondary batch of that same batch so I can actually drink one of each 
and then That's keep one idea. to collect because whiskey gets it gets better with age, like yep. wine. And so right now, if anyone's out there listening, um, I got banned from the Metallica forums for exactly one thousand years <laughs> for being. Right. I mean, literally one thousand years for being a military veteran. And I sent one of the mods a picture of my basic training picture, and I said, uh, you know, while you were uh, wa- looking at penthouse, I was in a foxhole. I said, so wh- <laughs> what? What's your problem with me and my posts? Um, and so, to to the Met Club community, I'd like to say to all of you out there who who helped me with this collection. So um, before you got banned, you were trading with other members on the forums. Yeah, uh, not. I wouldn't even say trading. No, what happened was. Some of them just said, dude, I've got an extra one of this. And I just paid them street value. And and, and I nice. sent them a FedEx label so they have to pay for shipping. But it was really helpful. So if anyone's listening who um, who doesn't hate me and, um, <laughs> and we're not going to be on the Maury Povich show because I got your wife pregnant or something, um, you know, can... I'm, I'm missing the original batch 81, which obviously most people are. Um, I hate to brag, but I have that one. Fuck you. I only have um, one, though, and I ain't drinking it. <laughs> it I, I understand that, and I know where you live, and I, can, I have Je- Jeff Street enough to teach me how to steal. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that sharing is caring, but uh, I'm missing 81, obviously, and I don't have high hopes for that but i'm missing um 85 86 87 and 88 how many are there there's 81 through 113 and i have all of them except for 81 85 86 87 and 88 damn and i have two and i and i have two of i have two of all of them okay so um so if any of you who have not been kicked off the Metallica forums for 1,000 years for serving your country. Um, if you want to contact the the podcast or the guys involved, um, I, I will pay top dollar for what I'm missing. I, I, will, I will pay a finder's fee. Um, I realize that you're giving up something of value. Um, 88 was the year I graduated high school. That's how old I am. And so that one really Justice is for all, baby. You're really aging yourself here, bud. Well, I'm just I am, kidding. and um, well, I'm using a lot of color filters so you don't see the gray. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I'm retired, so like, I mean, it's, it's I guess it's referenced in the uh, first song on Death Magnetic. I'm like a general without a mission, you know. So <laughs> this is my mission, and 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 Blackened is um, it's huge to me because like I was telling Shane before we came on, each batch really does taste different. I have yet to have, I I mean, I've had some where I'm kind of like, Oh fuck. But the rest, there's some that really do taste damn good. That's cool. So, um, I'm just hoping that, like I said, without this being a commercial, if you have an 85, 86, 87 or 88 out there, uh, or 81 even, um, I will give you not only a lock of Mike's hair, but <laughs> I will. <laughs> For the record, everyone, that's Pizzle, our bass player. You can find him in uh, our episode titled Bass Solo Take One. Right. By, yeah, and by the way, he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he shaves it so he can grow it. So, so I would he actually can grow have, it. <laughs> so True I would statement. actually have him grow like a good four foot, or sorry, four <laughs> inch. I was going to say four, four foot. <laughs> put it in a Tiffany box with a bow and throw a cool <laughs> rare Metallica pick in there. I just want to I just want to complete the collection, man. I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's important to me. Um, and so I would really appreciate the Metallica community. Um, if any of you like me bought a bunch, you know, I know people are stacking up on Dave Pickerel after he passed away. Yeah. Um, um, I'm not interested in reselling it or trying to make money off this. This is for right. me. My own it's a, col it's a collection, collection and also so you can drink. That's a true collection. So 81, 85, 86, 87, and 88. Just shoot us a message and podcast for all at gmail.com and... After 50,000 downloads a couple weeks ago, Phil Toll, I think we got a chance of finding these, man. Yeah, I think we could probably track them down a little bit. It's really been cathartic in many ways and, and really helped me kind of get over a lot of uh, PTSD and different things because I have something to look forward to. Right. That's During that's COVID awesome. when, we, when, when we can't gig. Jeff, you know what that's what's cool when we interviewed our bass player? Chris is the same way. We know so many things about him, but I've never actually asked Chris, dude, what's your first memory of a Metallica that still remains? Yeah, where did it all start? It, it's going to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> so as you got, well, a lot of you guys don't know, so I'm just going to pretend like you don't. So the rest of my band, as far as I know, were Metallicaholics from a very young age. My favorite band is Huey Lewis in the News. Um, my second favorite band is Tesla, and my third favorite band is The Cult. So if I had to go on a desert island, that's who I would choose. Right. And in, in 1989, I had a really good friend who worked at a record store called The Warehouse, where they had Ticketmaster. I was front row for The Cult and Metallica on the Justice Tour. I watched Oof. The Cult, and I left. Oh, oh no! I shit you not. You must have been drunk on black and back in '89. No, I, I hated Metallica, and so That's um, unbelievable. I just didn't like them. And and so, you know, when we played that show at the Caboose, where we did those rare, I wish that's the one show we had on tape. Quite honestly, right. I, I wish too. that was pro, that was pro shot because we, without rehearsing, living in different states. We came together for two and a yep. half hours and flawlessly executed songs I had never heard before. I'm not making this up. I was, I, I was listening to songs I'd never heard before. It's crazy that 1989, it's you know, arguably their peak of you know, when they were at their just most intense, you know, they just they sounded amazing. Didn't even like Metallica then. Fast I forward. hated them. 25, 30 years, and you're fronting one of the world's largest Metallica tribute bands. It's kind of a weird full circle moment. I, I, will, <laughs> I gotta I will ask you, say, Chris, why yeah. did you fucking hate them? Because, so I went to Novato High School in um, Novato, California, Marin County. So I was, okay. I actually grew up about seven miles from James. And um, I, I saw him a lot, actually, at movie theaters. Um, I, had to, I had to sit him, actually, s several times when he wanted to see a movie. We had to kind of hold him in the office and, and then bring him out when the movie started. And then we knew... Oh, yeah, because didn't you work at a movie theater? I did, and I had to go get him. 
um, when the movie was ending and all my friends were getting autographs and I could give in two shits. Right. And so I just, what it was, was we had what was called the smoke pit. So my high school had a smoking pit. And I remember when Cliff died because everyone wore a black armband and I didn't know who Cliff was. And, I, and I'm saying this now going back to when I was 15, but I was just so into Huey Lewis. And the reason is, is my orthodontist was married to the bass player Jesus. before they were famous. So she was giving me, they were called Huey Lewis and the American Express. And she was giving me um, uh, demo tapes and saying, my husband's band's going to be big one day. You just wait. And so I got to watch from the inside as Huey Lewis went boom. Right. And I played saxophone in symphonic band and something I don't even think Shane even knows. My first instrument I ever learned was drums, and I took lessons from Steve Smith from Journey at Fischl Music in Nevada, California. You did tell me that about a decade ago. Yeah, and I want to so, I want to see you play a saxophone. Just just saying. Yeah, screw <laughs> drums. Get the sax out. Now my lungs all effed up, and I and but but I used to annoy the shit out of my bandmates in 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 symphonic band. I was second chair sax and first chair percussion nice um and i would always play i want a new drug that dun, 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 you know and it just pissed him off every day which <laughs> you guys have known me for how long and i what do i do to you guys i mean you know it, it it some things never change but it's funny to find myself in this role because i i honestly to this day you guys send me song ideas for set lists where i have to walk around a neighborhood for hours at a time listening to a song I've never heard before. I'm not joking. And like learning escape, learning jump, um, learning uh, metal militia. Dude, I'd never heard those songs before in my life. What's crazy is that you've gone that long without knowing, or yeah, without knowing a lot of their material, but yet. Yeah, he learned jump by Van Halen. Well, no, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I know, but I know just from the years of being on the road, the jump, I know from years of being on the road with you, you can quote year and a half in all of those concerts just as well as we can, you know what I mean? So it's just, that's crazy. Just kind of how you have, I think in my opinion, one of the most unique Metallica journeys, because you're like that fan that like, wasn't a fan that, that is a fan, but like, it's like, it's. It's, I want to know weird. when the I want to know when the switch flipped from okay Huey Lewis Tesla the Cult to okay I like Metallica rather than fuck this thing. So what what happened was I was at a Black Crows concert. If you guys like Cliff Amal, I was at I was a house light guy at the Stone in San Francisco, but, and I know it's closed now, which is sad. I'm I, actually I'm shocked Metallica didn't buy it just to preserve it. <laughs> I was I paid fifteen bucks to see the Black Crows. Okay. And um, I, I was super skinny. Um, not that I'm, you know, huge now, but um, <laughs> I was a lot thinner. And I used to stand to the very back so I wouldn't get destroyed. And um, back then, they would let you in and you had to sit down, at least in San Francisco. And then when the lights went down, if you didn't stand up in time, you're in deep shit. So I decided for the Black Crows who had, I think at the time, um, Hard to Handle wasn't even out yet. So it was um, Jealous Again was their hit. And I stood back by the soundboard at the Stone. And 
the light came going kind of haywire, and I got tapped on the shoulder, and I and I I thought, okay, I'm in their way, so I moved, and the guy's like, no, we need you here, and I thought, I, don't, I said, I don't work here. He goes, I need you up here, and I walked up onto this like a two-step little stage to the light booth, faith no more who were hot as shit at the time, were all yeah. sitting there looking at me with a look of doom, like, your hose, bro. Wow. And they said, so what had happened was, they had done, the, the, the Black Crow's crew had done pot laced with something else, and they were fainting. Did you get this? Blue. What is this, like, tie? Or something? Yeah. Like Something. the heaviest pot ever to hit these shores. Holy shit! Pot like no other pots ever had been had in this country. I, I mean, I literally had to pull corpses basically off the light board, and I didn't know what to. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know anything but jealous again, and I knew vaguely hard to handle. I didn't know um, twice as hard. I didn't know she talks to angels. The album had just come out, and so the what happened was I I put a pin spot. I took the spotlight and I and I pinned it into Steve Gorman's drum, mm-hmm. and I figured if I could see his kick drum, that I could match the lighting buttons to doing what his kick drum did. So you never worked lights before and just thrown into the fuck, mix. Fuck no, man! I was working at right. Sears selling water heaters. <laughs> and so, um, and so that so I got Mike Patton, um, and you have a lot of experience with water heaters too, <laughs> don't I ever? <laughs> uh, and and then fucking Jim Martin looking at me like Jim Martin, good, James' friend. Yep. Yeah. Good luck. But the look on their face was literally. Uh, of I'm walking into my own funeral and I had this spotlight and I thought to pin spot it into Gorman's bass drum head because he used a single bass. Yep. And the band that opened for them was called the Four Horsemen. I remember that. Wow. And it was, it was a $15 ticket and I ended up doing lights for the entire fucking show. And at the end of the show, I was asked, do I want to meet them? And I still have the set list signed by the band saying, Chris, thank you for the, it says, thank you for the delights. I remember seeing um, that, yeah. And I have that. And, um, well, anyway, Steve Gorman, at the end of the show, after the stone cleared out, he came out pissed as fuck, and he goes, who did lights tonight? And they pushed me forward. And he goes, do you want a job? Wow. And I'm like, uh, excuse me? And next thing you know, I'm on fucking tour with Hart. And the Black Crows. Wow. And then next, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And the next thing you know, Metallica starts playing shows of the Black Crows in Europe. And I was I was doing that. And I I was told by a friend to print business cards on a metal a piece of metal. Like a hard piece of metal. Yep. And I gave it to a fat guy with a beard who I had no clue who he was. Oh boy. And it was Mick and it was Mick Hughes. And, um, and I, I still hated Metallica. Um, I didn't like them. I just, so were you like a full-time employee with the Black Crows? Yes. Okay. 
at, at that point I was. And, um, and so what happened was I got told that what I was doing was good because I wasn't drinking, I wasn't doing drugs, but I got asked to meet at a hotel um, with with um, someone, I don't know who it was, I honestly don't, it wasn't Mick, it was it was some Metallica representative, yeah. and I was asked, I was told about a Guns N' Roses tour that was coming up, and if I was interested in the, in the West Coast part of it, and um, I was, and I, I said yes. At that point, I was, um, I could appreciate at that point I had evolved. This is now 1992. Yeah. I could appreciate what they were doing. Like, this is hard. Like, what they're doing is difficult. And I don't, it's like King Diamond. I love King Diamond and I have since 1987. But it's annoying what he does. But it also, whoever, you know, Mickey D is no joke. Right. Like this guy could drum. And and so um, that that's kind of how that all came to be. And so how, how I got introduced, and I think, Shane, if I'm not mistaken, I gave you that you still should have the pilot of Metallica's guns. Yeah. I, how do you think I got that? You know what I mean? <laughs> And, and I the gave pilots you private from picture. the original turbo prop from the year right. and a half airplane. And I gave you and I gave you private one ten photos of that plane. I, yep. How else would I have gotten that? You know what I mean? Yep. Ooh, not so private so at all. It, it well, it's private in the sense that they haven't been put out there. But right, um, I I wasn't around the band. The band was on the other side of the stadium. I was around Guns and Roses actually, and I saw a lot of arguing. It really made me appreciate. Um, I started playing guitar a little bit at that point. I'm, to shock the world, I'm left-handed, um, and so that's why you're AKA James Leftfield. Yeah, Leftfield. There you go. Um, and and so I started. Um, my job was to sit above him, above James, in in spotlight him, and I was watching. I'm used to seeing guys pick, you know, up, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Just tip, you know, typical what you'd see a guitar yeah, player do. Strumming. These, these guys were down picking, and I could not, I could not fathom it. And and so whether I liked them or not, I started to appreciate that they had a talent, and they were, and I. It was their, them, It's like their stamina and their dexterity is what drew you to them. Not only that, I was starting to see that I was seeing them at their peak. Like right. they're, I don't think in 92 that they could have been any better than they were. They were just on fire. They were on fire. And so then the next time I saw them after that tour, uh, it was in Atlanta. I was living with my parents before I joined the Air Force. And I was invited by Mick to come see the Who Gives a Shit tour, Summer Shed. And it was me and my mom in Atlanta at um, some, it was a shed. Uh, and I remember we were in the second row. And I remember James saying, tonight's battle concert is canceled because you're not making enough fucking noise. And then he goes, bread fan. And, and, yeah. and then it all just. So, <laughs> Take so, that, Jeff. <laughs> so, that, so that was the first time I ever saw them as a fan. 
It sure. always has to get brought up. Every episode, it's something bread fan gets brought up. Well, someday you'll realize how good of an opener it is, and you'll finally be on the bandwagon. You know, Chris, I got to ask you real quick. You know, while we're talking yeah, about this, uh, you know, since we're all in the same band, you know, me, me and Pizzle, we're not the biggest fans of it. What do, I've never asked you, what do you think about opening with Red Fan? Do you like it as an opener? As an opener? Um, what I, I'll tell you, my, well, I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I defer to Shane on that because he writes the set list. What's funny about this band <laughs> yeah, is Jeff. we all actually, without knowing it, we took on the roles of the actual guys in the band. That's no so shit. funny. No, that's really funny you say that because Shane and I were, <laughs> we, we were had a little con- that earlier. We literally had a conversation earlier and we realized that in a weird way, it, like literally all four of us really imitate who we are kind of like it's to true a <laughs> because with, without without i don't i mean i think i think there's some privacy that's entitled to all of us i, oh, I would yeah. just say this that with many many years on the road that jeff has only spoken up when he really felt like it needed to be said and i think that me and shane early on clashed a lot because it was like this power struggle and it and, and if you watch year and a half in the life, there is that power struggle between between Shane and I don't mean that like who who's it's not dick measuring. I'm talking about like <laughs> like there should be more treble here or there should be more bass here or you know, what serves the song. Good it thing just, we didn't write an album. Good thing we just perform and we don't record. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine what would happen if we had to be stuck in a studio with We'd each other? We'd never get out of there. <laughs> no, I, I think that we would. Give more kick I think drum. I think at this point that we know each other well enough to well, know. Well, now, yeah. Yeah, now we do. And, and yeah. but, but, Jeff, you missed out on all that. Without any conscious effort being put into it, Shane has always written the set list with the exception of, I think I wrote the set list for the Caboose when we opened for Steel Panther. Yep. Um, and I think Jeff wrote a set list. Uh, and, I, and, and forgive me, but I don't remember what show it was. But... You know, with, with very rare exceptions, Shane writes the set list. Yes, Unless there's like a, a a really huge disagreement, we we hash it out. And I'll throw and it so, out there that I'll I'll reach out to you guys and go, Are you dying to play something this weekend? Yes or no. If yes, tell me and I'll fit it in somewhere. Right. If not no, then no, of course. Yeah. Yep. And and that goes back to a video that that's maybe rarely seen online where where James in Lars don't argue, but they have a discussion. I think it was a smaller venue right before death magnetic where they say, should we play um, Clover or should we play uh, memory? And James is like, well, memory is a better crowd song. And and so they kind of have like more of a civil discussion about it. And it kind of helps Lars write the set list. But I think that before death magnetic, I think they clashed a lot. Well, you know, Um, Real quick, while we're on this whole thing of you were just talking about one song or the other, I'd like to ask you a question. You know, we've got this and voting for all segment that we do, and it's where we'll pick, you know, either two songs, two album covers, whatever it may be. Two haircuts. Um, Yeah, two rare cuts. (laughs) No, haircuts. Oh, haircuts. I think (laughs) you said rare cuts. (laughs) Um, So this week on and voting for all, we've got. a pretty interesting one here and i think it's time to hash this out because i've seen a lot of back and forth over the years between okay. these two songs and 
it's time to figure out right now which is the better of the two. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. All right. Tonight on In Voting for All, we are having Unforgiven 1 versus Unforgiven 2. Ooh. Which one is the better one? You're talking You're talking album version, right? We're going album versions, yep. Okay. Strictly album. Okay. okay. Sorry, Unforgiven uh, 3 doesn't even get to be part of it. <laughs> understood. I, I, I will say this. That's because you can't have three voting options on Instagram. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only two <laughs> when you take a poll. Um, I, I, I think that... What I would say is that it has surprised me over the years that when we play Unforgiven 1, we get a normal response. I think we get applause. Yeah, you get what you would big, expect. How, 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 you know, how big or small the venue was, we get an applause. Right. When we play Unforgiven 2, because I'm the singer and I'm looking out at what I can see, Right. It's amazing to me how many people are pointing each other and tapping the shoulders like, oh, dude. And so it seems like they crave that song more. And that's just my opinion based on what I've seen from as a frontman in one. When we play Unforgiven 2, I see interactions between perfect strangers going, holy shit. Yeah, like agree. it's finally happening. Right. And and Jeff has made it very clear to me many times that my voice better suits James in the load era. It, uh, yeah, it yes. does. It's it's very fitting to that era. I, I have I have a better E flat voice than I do a high E. And yeah. and I, I don't take that personal. I think he's right. I think that listening to recordings, I think that if me and James saying I disappear next to each other, it'd be it'd be it'd be close. It'd be close. That's for sure. Doing what you know, and um, so there's so I think Unforgiven Two is what I would choose because I think that they've played it so infrequently, mm-hmm. and that anyone who's a huge Metallica fan, I think, which you guys qualify in, and I think Mike does too. You've seen Unforgiven more than enough. How many times can you say you've been to the live show where Metallica played Unforgiven 2? And I think right. it's those, it, I think right. sometimes those deep tracks really make you feel like the band gives a shit about you. Right. I agree. Jeff, what are you going Jeff? with? Uh, you know, it's tough because you, you look at Unforgiven 1 and obviously it's this monumental track. You know, the, the, the solo is legendary. I mean, any true Metallica fan knows the the classic guitar player of the year solo scene from fucking it's year huge. and a half. It's in the um, top three ballads, as I would say. Um, I definitely think Unforgiven 1 has a bigger impact, but I have to go Unforgiven 2. I think through okay. and through it is a better, it's a better song. I think there's more okay. to it. You know, even the B-Bender little twang in there, like it adds this whole different element that brings it to a whole nother place that it's not something that you would expect but it sounds familiar you're like oh i know this you know this sounds familiar it sounds like unforgiven one but it's it's got a twist you know a good twist all right jeff to wrap up and voting for all i gotta go with unforgiven two as well so we're a majority here for uh many reasons i love playing it live one is more of a iconic Staple with the solo and obviously black album. Yep. But when you, when it just comes down to what my personal favorite is, 
I got to go with two. So polls open Thursday morning, close late Thursday night. Results Friday morning on Instagram. Unforgiven one versus Unforgiven dose. I think this one is going to be close. I think one will probably take it, but I think it's going to be close. I ooh, I don't even know how it's going to go, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Damn close. Damn close. Let's uh, let's assume that you know you're held up in your house, you know your appendix bursts, and you get the opportunity to have Metallica come play private show for you. What kind of uh, set list would you have? What would be your dream? No more set list if you could have your own private gig. No, no, no. I'm talking about a a live gig. And what dream venue would you want to see it in? Yes, yes. Obviously not in your living room. (laughs) Unless unless you wanted to. Well, the first time I ever saw Metallica, so for all you guys who geek out on Metallica, so the first time I saw Metallica ever, other than that Oakland Coliseum show where dirt was being thrown, I don't really count that because it was kind of a blur. The first time I was a guest of Metallica, uh, I was a guest of Mick um, because I I was a friend of a friend. Mick collects comic books. And this this friend of mine had a fuck ton of comic books that Mick wanted. Never knew that. And that was May 10th and 11th at the Cow Palace oh, in nice. San Francisco of 1991. Old school Cow Palace. And um, is this the uh, so venue? That was I would say the Cow Palace because it's the first time I ever really watched them as a fan, and Damn. I was watching from the soundstage. That's a good choice. And um, because of that memory and how many I saw Tesla, Poison, David Lee Roth. Um, I, I gotta, whole... I gotta, <laughs> I gotta interrupt here. I had dinner the other night with Lars's drum tech, Jimmy. <laughs> yep. We're we're talking about S and M two, and we're talking about some other various things that are currently going on. And somehow the rehearsal at the Cow Palace got brought up, and he goes. Dude, we never rehearsed at the Cow Palace. I said, I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> pretty goes, sure you did. No, yeah. we never. He goes, we got off the road from Europe, and we only had like a day to prepare, and we went right to the Chase Center to start setting up. I'm like, dude, I know for a fact you guys rehearsed at the Cow Palace before you went to the Chase Center. And he goes, we did? <laughs> <laughs> had no idea. I was like, <laughs> that must have been a blur coming from Europe. And he goes, yeah, There's no, a little jet about it, I, He goes, I think we did rehearse there. I'm like, I'm telling you, you did. <laughs> well, I mean, w- when you see as many different uh, cities it's as that guy. It's because everything just rolls together for those guys. It's just was, another day at work, and he's like, like oh, yeah, okay, exactly. whatever. Like, literally, it's just like, all right, here's another day. That's and that amazing. makes actually perfect sense with our jobs, because when you think about asking me about 21 years in the Air Force, where right. I was on a Dude, it. I don't. I. I just know I was in certain places. Right. I don't know. You know, someone would have to correct me on where I was and when I was. I was there. Right. It was um, just funny because it was just a few years ago, and I'm like, dude, I know for a fact the band rehearsed there. And he's like, well, if you say so. Well. So so now we're getting in. So you're asking me my dream no more set list, right? Yep. Eighteen songs from the Cow Palace. What do you got, Mister Westfall? This this was hard. I'm not gonna lie because I we I hear really, that a lot. I wanted to make this my set list, you know, and Good. so I'm just going to give it to you straight. Straight through James Leftfield from one set. Let's hear it. 
And to think, Jeff, we're nearing we're nearing the end of the season where you and I reveal to each other what ours are and the top two win some exclusive and podcast for all swag and Metallica prizes. We have what, maybe two weeks and then we do our two to go. Yep. Two to go. Well, Woo! First Game of close. all, I, I resent the left field comment because <laughs> Shane as a witness before <laughs> Jeff joined the band, did I not play sad but true right handed? Hey, Yes, you did. One song is one yes, song. Yes, I did. More I than one song. I played right-handed, and I, and I didn't even fuck up. Well, we're just everybody listening, hashtag James Leffield. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being in Bahrain. I remember being in Bahrain and giving Jeff my left-handed truck shirt. Oh, dude. And saying, remember that? And you're like, I can't even do fucking... Dude, I couldn't even do nothing else matters. I couldn't even do the... I know. All open notes. Right. Yeah, I couldn't even do the open so, intro. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm, I'm truly ambidextrous, but so is my set list. So, uh... <laughs> All right, let's This is going to be good. My dream no more set list. And see how I did that? Yo! <laughs> um, I opened with Sandman. Whoa. Wow. Jeff. Nobody had nobody's fucking picked that yet. Nobody has said that song. It actually appeared, Jeff, for the first time. Wow. We're almost twenty weeks in. <laughs> I want the posers to leave. You don't want it, if, if that's what you're waiting to fucking hear, get out. So uh Sandman All the fake people. Sandman opens it. Not only have we not had it as an opener, we haven't had it we at have a period. All. Period. No. Well, it's gonna get better. Okay. Um, I actually we, like that as an opener. I'm not gonna lie. We opened the, our first our first show ever in front of a massive ass crowd was Sandman at Halfway Jam when we had about twenty thousand people. The largest crowd ever on a Thursday night. That is nice. That was our first big show, dude. Yep. And so I have Sandman Creep Bell's King. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sandman Creep. So we're going along with the binge and purge theme. Except for King. So what was third? King? Uh, I have Sandman, Creep, Bells, King. Okay. Okay. I like that. Then I have a break. Then I have the break, the little line that, you know, says, get the drink. So King comes to cut off and then our first banter of the night. Yes. Banter of the night. Leper. Ooh. Clover. Yes. Wow. Hang into BBS. Wow. wow. I, like I would have never guessed that. But so many people this season, Chris, if you haven't listened, BBS has been very popular. Yes, it has, surprisingly. BBS it, it, and End of the Line. It's a great... Fu- well, that comes later. <laughs> so now we have wow. we have another break. I wouldn't have guessed that from you. No, I wouldn't have either. After, B- after BBS, we have a break. And I have Fixer. Yes. Halo. Nice. Kill Ride, Me- Kill Ride Medley Fade. You are just firing through these. We'll have nothing to talk about. Break. Uh, so I'll Cut break. I just do a line just like you do. I have to ask you real quick. The Kill Ride Medley. There's actually two versions of that. One has Phantom Lord in it, and the one is like the Cunning Stunts version. One's Cunning. It, mine's Cunning Stunts. Good. Nice. I love it. So, um, so after that, I have Unforgiven 2. Yes. That seems fitting. I'm so glad that that we picked these songs Great for segue. the in voting for all tonight. After after Unforgiven 2, I have a Carpe Diem. Wow. Hanging, hanging, mind you, into Master the Line. 
Whoa. So, Wait a Master minute. Puppets. <laughs> Hold the phones, everybody. So Master goes up until the bridge, I'm guessing? Master goes into the Master. master. Does it go into the... Does it go into the end of the line bridge? Quiet version. And ends with the... This slave becomes the master! You know? So it ends with so, end of the line. So it so goes... It's, it's the first half of master, and then instead of the master interlude, does it go into the, like, the drop the hourglass? That part? Drop the hourglass of time. Killing sands we will not find. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I like that. As we are here today. You know. <laughs> so it's called Master Line. I like that. It's called Master Line. Nothing. Because I think it's a good crowd song, even though, I mean, we, 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 we had our Scorpions moment. I remember this was like a big discussion backstage at Sturgis. But I have the video of 30,000 cell phones going up. I remember and, and that I, moment was amazing. It was my scorpions moment. Um, so masterline into nothing else matters full version. Correct. And then we have a break. Okay. And then you got three more songs. I have the weight, wow. blitz, and Ooh. ending with damage. Oh. Holy fucking ender, bro. Wait, 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 wait. Wow. The weight. Nothing cut off. Weight, blitz, damage. Correct. I liked what you picked there for the cover section. That, Those were very good songs to pick. Dude, that's solid. I really want to play that set live sometime. <laughs> I can't believe we had a Sandman, Jeff. It actually showed up this season. I didn't think we were going to get it. I'm like, we're going to go the whole season, and somehow like the most popular Metallica song of all time is not going to get picked. Which is kind of surprising that it didn't get picked at least once until Maybe now. Phil Toll will pick it when we have him back and ask him his dream. <laughs> yeah, when, when he has to explain himself why Jason's suing him. But <laughs> I, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to make sure that I was clear that I remember the reaction because I worked for him. They... <laughs> They um they oh, moved man. they they when James got hurt and John Marshall I have John Marshall's yellow guitar pick he gave him to me and I still have a bunch of them I do remember that prior to that they were opening with Sandman and why not because right. I mean if you're the cutting crew it's I died in your arms tonight and everyone else goes and after right that. exactly and and so Metallica oh cutting crew good one hit wonder. Fuck yeah. And, well, I saw them for Aria Speedwagon, and they played Die Twice. They opened and closed with it. So <laughs> Of course they did. They did. And and so um, I wanted to do something different, and I thought Master Line was cool. Dude, that's creative as shit. I really thought that we as a band, we neglected that record. What, Death, and, Death Magnetic? Yeah. Yeah, we played Cyanide, and, and that was just uh, your life. But and that was just your life. But we day. didn't go into end day. But but at the same time, I think that we really missed some good shit. That I think that album really was. Un, I mean, my opinion, underrated. I like that album more now than I did when it came out. Let's just put it that way. Chris, Agreed. do you remember before Jeff joined? We actually rehearsed all nightmare long a ton. 
and we never played yes, it. Yes, we did. I learned that song for a while, and then we never just it just was like, eh, eh didn't well, the, hell that, of a song to because, learn and then just not play. That's fun. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason for that, and and I'm not saying this to disparage anybody. There's everyone has a um, an ability. Hey, it's and it's okay think, that you guys couldn't play it until I joined the band. Now that I'm here, <laughs> we can play it. It's okay, right? But <laughs> but I think I, I think at the time what 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 happened was the the guitar player before Jeff, we did not know. At least I can say I didn't was enamored like horribly with Dire Straits, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. I mean, if you're into Dire Straits, you shouldn't take shit for that. And I think that he he just didn't immerse himself in the new material. And what I was trying to say earlier, I mean, going back, is when you guys say, let's do this song, I put the work in, man. Yeah. I mean, I really do. And I don't know how to retabliture. I'm self-taught. It's all by ear. And I'm able to pull off live. And so you guys... Everyone out there in one world and, and, and podcasts for all world know, my memory serves me correctly. We've had two rehearsals ever with Jeff. One was in an airplane hangar, yep. and one was probably before a show. We literally play live as a live band. So if we're going to F it up, you're going to hear the fuck-ups. We do not ever rehearse we rehearsed way back in 2008 five times total we might have rehearsed twice with mark but jeff never got a rehearsal his first rehearsal was live on stage went right to el paso in front of a sellout crowd at el paso yeah there was like a few thousand there that venue was and and i remember i remember to this day jeff thinking we were full of shit until i remember you patting me on my back as i'm like all right like I'm feeling good about it, but I'm I'm a little nervous. And Chris, just to be Chris, he pats me on the back and goes, "Oh, by the way, this is your tryout. Good luck." And he goes, <laughs> well, have, and he goes, "Have fun." And then he's like, "All right, now go up there." <laughs> well, that's that. He's leaving a part out because to try to make him feel better, I I put a pejorative note in his guitar fretboard so he'd see it to try to get his mind out of what was about to happen because he. He saw the room while we were sound checking, and I just don't think he believed that it was going to fill. And during ecstasy, right, mind this. Prior to this show, the most people I'd ever played in front of was a couple hundred people. So now in comes you know two, at three, the garage four, in thousand, Burnsville. yeah, two, yeah. three, four thousand people, and it's like, whoa, this is this is a little bit of a different experience here. Just to flip the script a little bit, if you don't mind me asking you a question. What was it like being in that dressing room and hearing the crowd foot stomp to ecstasy? That was something that still to this day, I will never forget that show. It was, I was nervous, but I was excited. I remember I got like maybe, maybe two weeks to learn 18 songs. I met up yeah, with you. you I met up with you guys at, I think it was your house. You, I met Chris's up with old house in Rosemount. Yeah. And I met up yeah. with you two. You and I ran through a couple harmony things, you know, and other than that, you guys were like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. Let's have fun. And well, it just came down to we had no time. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. It was like such last minute. We rehearsed and, like starts and stops and it was like, dude, I'll see you at the airport tomorrow. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it was. Yeah. And then I showed up and it was like, all right, game day, let's go. And then 
not only that, the inner, well, we had some safeguards in place because I told you that our first guitar player in the band, I was playing most leads. Right. And so I, I was comfortable. And even when you've broken a string, I've been able to cover you in a few leads until you got your, your, your second guitar back. But, um, to again to, to to try to kind of make this interesting and flip the script a bit and and have me ask you a question is you know with that show you know do you remember walking up that ramp oh i remember that i remember that room i remember the burritos we ate before we went on stage bro <laughs> i sound like pizzle oh the food is great don't remember the gig well i mean i'm not gonna lie there are some shows that i remember the food from very well just saying <laughs> you foodie man well no, well i think i think anytime we play trees in dallas there's a taco place across fuzzy the taco fuzzies dude i got that across from my house down yeah in florida. shane's got fuzzies at his place and i was Really, bummed. I text you a picture every time I go there. Literally, like, oh, Jeff, yeah. look where I'm at. It's either Fuzzies or Del Taco. I always get a picture from, and I'm so nah, jealous. Del Taco's when I'm in California for work. Yeah, but you get to go to California and get Del Taco. I have to wait till I'm either on well, tour dude, or to on recap. Vacation. That's true. To recap, Mister Westfall's Dream No More set list. This is going to be up there. This might be in the top five running for matching you and uh, our set list. Sandman, Creep. Bells, King, Leper, Clover, BBS, Fixer, Halo, Kill Ride Medley, 97 version by the way, Fade to Black, Unforgiven 2, Carp Diem, Master Line, we haven't had that and probably won't ever hear it again, I really like that idea. I do too. Nothing Else, and then closing out with The Weight, Blitzkrieg, and Damage Inc. In a couple weeks everyone gets to hear mine. Everyone gets to hear your, yours, Jeff, yep. and we pick some some winners. It's getting damn close. We got a lot of tallying to do. We pick some winners. We pick some prizes. We pick some boogers, and <laughs> we flick them. Chris, we've talked about um, the Unforgivens, your set list, a bunch of one history. Um, yeah. I'm going to revisit a section that we don't touch on much. What is your song that should not be? Ooh. You only get one. Um, seek and destroy. Whoa, whoa! And he answered that fucking quick too. I thought we'd discuss. Wow, dude, that surprises what? me. What is this? The play or just in general? You just can't stand it. it it's it, it. It's one of those songs where I have to. Um, Shane, would I you consider enjoy... that a listener fatigue song? Like like yes. Sandman. Yes. I I I really feel that. I value it. Just so you know, I wouldn't cut it out of the set list because it's a crowd. It's a crowd thing. Right. But I, I am just so. It's one of those songs that I've started playing leads with Jeff. So I'm doubling over his leads. I'm, I'm Why, becoming bored. Yeah. And I'm trying to liven it up. Now you sound and, like Pizzle um, when he's playing Clover. <laughs> he does not play clover. That, that's okay. Time he out. He misses that A note. Yeah, every time. He, he misses the A, the B, the C, the D. I'm a drummer, and I even know it's an A note. You're like, whoa, dude. <laughs> yep, I hear it every time. It's just interesting when, when we've heard like "Thorn Within," "Eye of the Beholder," yeah. "Don't Tread on Me," and then to hear "Seek," it was like that reminds me of Dino. Jeff from Chicago when he said Orion. Right. Yeah, we had someone like, that said Orion. Sure you mean that? I was like <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I picked Sandman as my song 
and yeah, Shane, listener fatigue. And Shane's reaction was pretty shocked, you know. And I feel like this one, Seek, though, like that's just like, like I agree with you. Like that's a song that I don't necessarily. I'm not going to run to like go out of my way to listen to, but wow, it's just that surprises me. That's like almost Orion surprising me. Orion is never. I have yet to be booed. Yeah, I've never. I've never seen. Put it this way. I've never seen people walk away when we start playing Orion. <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, it, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I sent Shane a video that I found on YouTube of the thing that should not be that we played at the Caboose. Yes. And you can hear the guy, whoever it is, recording it's a fan. He's going, oh, it's just killer live. It's killer live. It's killer live. And we, we, we do pull things out of our rear ends. Um, I mean, we played Outlaw in um, in Massachusetts with no rehearsal. I just want to say, f- for the record, Outlaw, it, it's interesting that you say that because the first time we played that song live, I never once in my life had ever played that song before the first time we played it live. Like, literally, I didn't even practice. Like, I didn't learn it. Central Iowa. Yep. Like, literally, I remember listening to it going, all right. And it was I, raining. Yep. And that show, that was, was the weird pissing down. Yeah, but that was the weirdest show. The more it rained, the bigger the crowd got. I was like, I "What the hell is happening here?" It just kept getting nuts. But yeah, I never played that song. That's like one of the few songs. But I literally had never learned it, played it, or anything. I just listened to it a few times, and somehow, like, we pulled it out. And that, like, we did and that's practice a big it. Kirk solo too with the slide, with the slide and all of that. But and you never played it. I literally never even jammed no, it never. once. Never once. And usually I'll, I'll at least play it through before we go on stage or like learn it, you know, in the dressing room if it's last minute. But that song, I literally, I was like, I was there like, was not one. Well, yeah. and I literally wanted to see if I could do it. I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot. The song is easy enough to where it, it's not too, com- it's long, but it's not complicated. And yeah, that was, that was a fun song. To play. I remember my memory of that was that Shane sent me a text after that show because i was driving home with you and your folks oh yeah that's right yeah because we left because i was living in florida at the time and i had to get my rental car returned it it was a it was a really stressful situation because mike wanted my seat and and i didn't you know (laughs) i remember that yeah i do too but i remember getting a text from shane what three hours no recline i can't do this right that that actually I remember to this day, um, I'm, I don't have it as far as reading it verbatim because I don't want to, I, I didn't, just like our live shows, we we don't prep, man. We just, we are a live band. If, if we fuck up, it's because we fucked up. If we do it great, it's because we did it great. We've never, ever rehearsed a song prior to playing it. The entire Kaboo show of those rarities, we, I was living in Florida Shane was flying all over the globe, and we came together and for three hours played songs that had never been played before either by us or Metallica. And we didn't, we didn't, it never went off the rails. Yeah, free speech for the dumb. It's so hard. We did it. <laughs> and, and so I remember that. And I remember Shane sending me a text like, good job, dude. There was a lot of James stuff going on because I do the soloing. Yep. Well, especially that load era stuff, too. And, and and what you guys don't know is the rain was coming down so hard that my pedal board, which is an ADA from 1983, um, Frank Cannon probably gave it to me. 
<laughs> Jeff's floorboard costs as much as my car, and right. he was getting he has a Kemper, and he it was getting destroyed. Oh, dude, that rain fucked our. It, it, we it was were bad. scared. Because I remember the last... I put rags and shit over my pedal board. I was like, I, can, I don't even care if I can't see anything. I'm like, I'm fucking covering it up. Yep. But we were all freaking out. Would our stuff even work at the next show? Um, again, kind of flipped the script just to make this kind of fun. Jeff, how did we meet? Um, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when I was in college, Chris was a recruiter in the Air Force. College? Carnival. And the older boy, bless his soul, is preparing for his career. College? Carnival. You gotta be proud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he came to my music college that I was going to at the time. He was recruiting. Happened to mention that, hey, you can play music and still be in the military. And then, of course, you know, Chris being Chris, he's gonna try and he's looking for a guitar player. He's like, I'm at a music college. I'm gonna throw my band in here. Starts talking about his band. And instantly, I'm like, alright, I'm intrigued. I wanna see what they have to offer. And well, basically, I didn't hear from you actually for, it was probably about a month or so, maybe two months, and then two weeks before that El Paso show. And yeah, the rest is history. They know the rest from there. <laughs> Crazy. If you had said to me in 2008, when this band started, that we had played the venues we played, opened for the bands we opened for, played Milan, and... um and met the guy uh, uh, who sent me the picture of himself in a Speedo. <laughs> oh, um, Max. We were just talking about him the other day. Yeah, mm-hmm. about about Max. Wasn't that Ooh. the guy that we met at the bar? Yes, oh. Max is the one who drove us home. Yes. And, yeah. made sh- and made sure that we got home safe. He was our bar friend. <laughs> I haven't even... This, this, whole, this whole experience, guys, for me... Um, oh, I just want to say this. Um, I know there's you know a lot of joking going on, but to everyone who's ever come out and supported us, you have allowed us to live our dreams. Absolutely. We, if you had said to us to quote Lars from Year and a Half in the Life as me and Shane, I mean it'd be funny to put me and Shane in a if, you know in a trivia contest about Year and a Half in the Life. But um, I mean, since I was in the fourth grade. I wanted to do, you know, play in front of bazillions of people, even though I didn't play an instrument. So I'm going to end with this story, at least for me. In 1984, I saw Purple Rain with my brother uh, at a theater, and I said, someday I'll play that stage. His exact words were, fuck off, you don't play an instrument. So start with that. And in 2016, we, we literally sold it out. Yes, we did. There was a line of people waiting to get in. Probably. And so to go from 1984 to playing the biggest venue in the state of Minnesota and probably really in the United States, it's up there with the whiskey. Um, we didn't just play the First Avenue. We had that shit sold out. And um, it, it's something that I hope that anyone out there listening, whether you like us or not, I hope you get to fucking experience that someday. It's like to play the ult like that's Prince's stage, man, and we played it. Hey, let's uh let's take it one step at a time and let's just say let's hope that you people listening just get to go to a concert again. 
Jeff, we've had a lot of guests on here who actually saw us at First Stab. That's the cool part I about know, this. I know, it's weird. We've had probably four or five guests on here who were at that show. I know, it's weird. We're in Minnesota and we have people from around the country that have seen us. Globe. I think it's going to open up, guys, this year. I really do. I think that this year and next are going to, are going to be big bounce backs. And I think that as the vaccines roll out, I mean, it just is one of those things where I think that people are going to start feeling safer We'll we'll get some gigs in. I miss playing live, um, and I miss you know being with the guys. And yeah, I, we all agree that we miss being on the road, and that hopefully sometime soon we can get back to it. Speaking of vaccines, Chris, sing the vaccine verse uh, from Moth right now as we close this out. Um, vaccine, black curse, a limousine, a gray filled with destruction. But let's hear a little Hetfield. Vaccine, grave hearse, the limousine of Mayfield will destruction. Nah, now we're talking. Nicely done, man. <laughs> I do that with my entire life. I go to I go to Cub, and they're like, "You need help?" And I said, "Yes, sir." <laughs> so it, it, it everything ends in ah with me. <clears throat> and the things we didn't know about him, Jeff. It was just like Pizzle. I learned a lot tonight. You know, that's the thing is, you know, you get on these episodes, and it's like a therapy session. You think you know someone, but then you join in Podcast for All, and it's a whole new chapter. It's just like Clark said. You think you hate it now. Not you. I mean, we don't hate you, Chris, but we're talking about Wait the trucks. Wait Oh, you, it's fine. I, I know. Just so you guys know. So you, know you, know the, you know the Chevy quotes. <laughs> we'll call it one street. Me and Jeff actually threw <laughs> air, an air conditioner at each other. Um, we tour left of us. Vegas <laughs> on tour bus. We had no air conditioning going into the Mojave Desert, and we had this, this port- air conditioner, the portable one that didn't work. Oh. And I was like, "This is bullshit!" Because I just retired from the military, and even in combat zones, I had air conditioning. <laughs> and this guy is like, "Oh, what's the big deal?" And we literally started throwing an air conditioner back and forth at each other. Remember what Chris said in the beginning of the episode? I only speak up when it's important. That's true. <laughs> and he did. Very well put. He, he, he didn't like the air conditioner being thrown at him by a senior citizen. <laughs> and, and, and what offends me to this day is I don't think he realizes that I literally now need back surgery because I had to lift that thing. Oh, you right, know? right. Man. Um, what memories? So there, there's been a lot of memories, guys. There's been a lot of, of good stuff. But at the end of the day, if if the fans don't come together and collectively give their time, and I'm sad that we lost Jesse. Um, I'm really proud of Tanner. Yep. I'll just I don't want to I don't do their last names, but um, we we have gotten to impact people's lives, even though we're a tribute band. That to me is unbeatable. I agree. At well the end said. Of the day. Very now, well said. now that's uh, I, I was just saying now that's a closing statement there. Great stories, gentlemen. Chris, thanks so much, dude, for coming on our show. We love it. We we can't get enough of that man. shit. Absolutely. Thanks guys for yeah, having thanks me. Thanks again, and, uh, man. I'll just say Sayonara and thanks to everyone who supported us and allowed this to happen for going into our I believe twelfth or thirteenth year. Absolutely. Jeff, you got anything else? No, man, we've we've talked about it all, and I appreciate our singer taking his time to come be on a podcast for all. We talked about the votes. We talked about Blacken. We talked about even the Cow Palace. 
We didn't even get the trivia or the shortest straw. So when Chris comes back in season nine, episode nine hundred, we're for sure getting to that. And remember, folks, leave us a good review on iTunes or Spotify. Yeah, you want Phil Toll Part Two? Keep leaving those five stars, and more special guests are showing up soon. Absolutely. I really appreciate you having me on, Chris. Thanks again for joining us. We will uh, see you soon, brother. Jeff, I will see you next week. See you guys later. Good night, guys. Later. You die.